0: Welcome to Just Some Brothers, a podcast with no agenda other than meeting with special guests of notoriety who may be known in sport, maybe music, and maybe even education. For that matter, anything. People who have live stories that we can resonate with as individuals. Hopefully during our segments, you get something out of it. If it's one sentence, one word, take it away with you. Because we're here as Just Some Brothers, having some fun. Spreading the word, open your mind and enjoy your time with us.
1: On today's show, we sit back with up-and-coming female surfer Carly Shanahan. At only 18, Carly has just begun her journey into the world of pro surfing. She has previously worked her way through the juniors and WQS events. Carly is now venturing on a training campaign to secure entry into the WSL.
2: Now sit back, relax and enjoy our conversation. Carly, welcome to Just Some Brothers.
3: Thank you. Thanks
2: for um, speaking with us. I know that you've got stuff to do tonight, so we really, really appreciate you coming in.
3: <laughs> no, I'm super stoked. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: And look, it's it's interesting. We were actually talking about it last uh, last week after Timmy Timmy Notting was on the show. Is that um, we spent some time talking about relationships and stuff, and we thought it was a great opportunity, not only just obviously to to get. You on because you're an up-and-coming um superstar potentially um but also from a female's point of view is the first female on the show to sort of um talk about different things in life and 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 potentially hear your version being surrounded by three guys you know from um so look i i will say that just a you know like it, it's been really easy with the guys we've been on in the past because you know obviously you know we talk about you know, beamer or, or walks in terms of their career. Um, you know, Carly Jase Shanahan. Um, look, I look at, I had a little bit of a look up there and uh, look, you've got a little bit of a history there with obviously the surfing. And, and we've got to say that what we have here is a up and coming 18 year old that's uh, about to embark on moving down to Melbourne to or down to the, um, the Geelong area, Torquay, to Bells Beach, in fact, um, to take up, really concentrating on professional surfing. So that's come about as a result of obviously a long time. I mean, we talk about in different parts of music and whatever that, you know, you don't see the hard work until you hear the hit song or something and think, oh, they made that overnight. But it takes a lot of hard work. And Carly, you know, I looked and, you know, in 2018, the last five years, you know, you were number 78 in the QS, in 2019, 118. Twenty, you've got seventy-six ranked in twenty-one, nineteen, and this year you know you've dropped back to forty-one. But you know you obviously had a second best, second best, and in, in events and a fifth this year. So you know, and you started in the women's junior tour. So it's it has been. You've started at a very young age, and obviously you're at a young age at eighteen. So you're embarking on a fairly significant future here with surfing.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been kind of the forefront focus of my life since eight years of age when I entered my first surfing competition. And then kind of like the past five or six years competing professionally, um, representing Billabong has been amazing. And the people that have been lucky enough to meet, including you guys, um, and all the different sort of avenues that I guess pursuing your dreams takes you down has been so amazing um but yeah it's definitely I'm making a big move this year um down south to kind of embark on my dreams uh, so, all by myself
0: <laughs> so what do you do you, you, you'll head down to bells I mean um camp there um what grab yourself a, a coach or what what happens there
3: um so I'm moving down to Torquay with two of my our best mates and they both surf as well. Um, and are basically just moving there for the quality of waves down there, colder climate as well. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the waves on tour are that colder climate. So you're always wearing a solid amount of rubber, like big yeah. wetsuits. Um, but yeah, I've got a coach that I'm working with at the moment. And because everything's so digital nowadays, I can just send my surf footage up to him and we can work on our, my surfing that way. And then I've got a shaper that shapes my boards and there's heaps of board courier services. So he'll send my boards down there and then, yeah, I guess I'll just kind of rebase myself down there and train as hard as I can for next year.
0: <laughs> so what what would be the target? I mean, we're, what are we now? We're in May now. So what's the target? Is train for how long before you decide to um, go back into the competition?
3: So, yeah. Um, As of COVID, the year's been split into three sections. So the beginning of the year is the qualifying series, which then qualifies you for the middle section of the year, which is the Challenger Series. And then at the end of the year, there's a kind of final that decides the surfers that will move on to the World Championship Tour, which is the top, I think it's 25 surfers. And then they go on to travel around the world and surf competitively. Um, but this first chapter of this year, I guess, the first section of this year, sorry, after COVID has just finished and I didn't qualify for the next round. So basically I'm just going to go down there, train for the rest of the year and mm. then start competing again next year.
0: How do, you, how do you fund that?
3: How do I fund that? Yeah. Uh, I've been working part-time jobs. Like at the moment I'm living in Brisbane and I kind of funded myself this year as opposed to kind of living off of my parents' previous years. Through part-time jobs and just training, and then just pretty much just training and working. Um, But yeah, I've been lucky enough to be invited next month on a surf movie trip to the Telos Islands as well.
2: Beautiful. Yeah. so. So how does that? How does um, Carly? How does it work in terms of, you know, you have a all over the country you have a pool of good surfers all coming up. How do they become aware of you when you're, let's say, 16 or 14 or something like that? How does that work?
3: Yeah, so there's talent scouts at all the different events. Obviously there's coaches working with the current athletes at different events um, for sponsorship purposes, say like Billabong, who I surf for. Um, They kind of picked me up through a talent scout at the age of 13 at a surfing event. Um, But a lot of the coaches and, say, talent scouts and things like that, Um, They bring in a bunch of athletes to the High Performance Centre in Casuarina, and so I'm lucky enough to be in one of their programs where they offer coaching, counselling as well, a variety of different things, and they've got that centre down there. So,
2: yeah. So it is quite a nurturing sport, you would say?
3: Yeah, yeah. So there's so many different people um, at the events, and it's such a, like, widely loved sport in Australia. So there's so many people at the events kind of... um, I guess coaches and just so many people that just love the sport and want to grab onto any talent that they can and help grow the sport.
0: So I think looking at a bit of um, your background and and obviously you're going to be able to tell us more is that you got fifth in the Phillip Island Pro. Um, Is that, has that been the highlight at this stage for you or?
3: Um, that was definitely a good result. Uh, it was, this year was my first year competing without travelling with a parent, so I was travelling completely by myself, organising everything by myself, and I guess I kind of took for granted how much my parents kind of organised accommodation, organised getting food and things like that. Um, but, yeah, that was definitely my highlight for this year, was fifth in that event. I became runner-up in a QS1000 at the age of 16 in um, Sydney, Yep. And I think that was kind of like the catalyst into really committing to mm. this tour is because I was so young and I was beating people that had been in the qualifying series for like 12 years. And so I think that was that's kind of been my highlight so far. Um, but obviously adjusting to doing everything by myself this so, year. So
0: you'll stay in the, the QS until you get to the top ten?
3: Yeah, so I'll work at the QS until you qualify, get into the top ten and then that – top 10 go on to the challenge series and it's I think it's seven events across the world with the top 10 of each region so there'd be like the Indonesian region, New Zealand, Hawaii and American and then they all go on to compete for the top 10 spot which then go on to the world tour. So
2: So did did you have like a, a light bulb moment where you sort of went yeah I could actually do this if I put my mind to it?
3: I definitely did. I, I think that was kind of a, a series of light bulb moments throughout where it was kind of like, wow, this is actually possible. So I started surfing just because it was a fun thing to do. My family did it. And then after winning my first event when I was nine years old and getting a skateboard sponsorship at the time, yeah, that was kind of my first moment when I was about nine. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a pro surfer, like, Great, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then... I, I mean, you kind of grow up, get a bit older and you're like, oh, wow, this is actually a big thing that I'm trying to chase. And I don't know really if I can do that. And I didn't get a kind of major sponsor, like all my kind of peers that were in my level got sponsored at the age of about 10 by like Ripco, Billabong, Quicksilver, things like that, the three big brands. And then it was kind of a little while after that and I was 13 and then I finally got the Billabong, which was like my major sponsor, which I'm still with today. And that was kind of another light bulb moment. And then I guess progressively the higher kind of tiered events that I've kind of been surfing in as I've gotten older and then winning those and then just going, wow, this is still real. And then I guess that QS1000 where I was 16 and ended up getting second, that was the big moment where I was like, wow, this isn't just a grum competition anymore. This is actually against people that have made tour and things like
2: that. So you're out of high school now?
3: Yeah, I'm out of high school. I was actually homeschooled because of surfing. So I never went to high school.
2: (laughs) Really? Wow.
3: No, I never went to high school. So was that
2: your parents that? was instrumental in doing that or?
3: Yeah, so where I live or where I grew up in Woolai was 45 minutes to the nearest high school. So I was going to be losing a morning surf and an afternoon surf. Mm. And because I was travelling so much, I was going to be missing so much school anyway. So they enrolled me in distance education through Southern Cross in Ballina. And then, yeah, my mum homeschooled me from year seven through to year 11.
2: Fantastic. That's great. So this is your first year out?
3: yeah yeah it would be yeah yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because I mean you're not typically from uh, Woolai is not probably the surfing capital of the world um, so you've how did you you know how did you make a decision that you sort of you're going into surfing was it was it just with friends and all of a sudden that I'm gonna just do a bit of surfing down there at many waters or how did, how did it all just even start
3: well like I was saying earlier I think, it was just something that my family did as kind of a hobby and I kind of got into it like started surfing that way it was just fun and then um my parents like saw that I was progressing a lot quicker than say the other kids that I started with and then um they took me to a local board riders club in Coffs Harbour and that's kind of it's still a country town, but yeah. there was more people there and there was a lot of surfers in the club that had been through the QS and even a few CT surfers that came back and surfed in the club to support up-and-comers. And they approached my parents and said, she's really good, you should get her into some GROM competitions, like national events, and see how she pairs against those guys.
0: I did I did notice that you do like skateboarding as well. Uh, and <laughs> I suppose typically skateboarders are probably pretty and vice versa. Um, has it helped you? Were you skateboarder first and then surfing or vice versa? What, what happened?
3: No, I actually I used skating as a training tool because it's all the same muscle memory as surfing. So my dad would take me to indoor skate parks with a surf trainer, like skateboard, so the front truck would swivel. So it wasn't like skating. It was more like kind of surfing on concrete, so to speak. And he would take me to indoor skate Ramps and things like that, and, and kind of um, just show me surf videos and just get me to copy it on the skate ramp.
0: How hard is it now? I mean, you, you said that um, from that point is that you know you were supported. Obviously, I mean, we we find that as we go through sport, our parents have to be a major support, you know, to group because. You know, you've got to get to events. you've got to, you know, you might be sleeping in the back of the car or whatever it is, you know, you've, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a hard claw to get to the top and, you know, without the parents or support of some sort. Now, you, as you say, you've, you've left the apron strings and you're doing it yourself. Is it a harder road or is it easier for you?
3: It's definitely harder in the way that it's more work, I guess, but it gives me more confidence knowing that I can do it by myself um, obviously I still have massive support from my parents. Like I'll, I'll call them after my heats, they'll watch my heats and they'll check in for me time to time and ask about how my surfing's going and um, give financial support where they can. And I think that there's still a major support, but um, I've definitely gained a lot of confidence from knowing that I can do all these things by myself and even carry that confidence from doing everything myself through my surfing career into anything. Like when you kind of book accommodation, say for a surfing event, and then go somewhere where you never been before, you're not thinking about how that in itself could be scary because you've got a bigger goal of getting to the event afterwards. So when I've not competing or not on the circuit, just kind of want to go somewhere with my friends, there's absolutely no anxiety involved in that because I've had to do that under a pressured situation sort of thing.
0: So with with a lot of sports, I mean, Tennis is probably a good example where you might see Federer go out with ten tennis records. Um, I noted that, like you know I, I just brought out it before. You know I'm six foot seven. I've got a seven foot board there. I mean, awesome. what's uh, you're a little pocket rocket. Um, <laughs> what is it? The four foot eight uh, Sean Carsdale shapes board. Is that is that the? I don't know if I said that right. But is that the <laughs> board you're still doing or? Uh,
3: no, that was a board. Um. I'm 5'2 now, so oh. I ride a 5'5 <laughs> five five, um, PU board. Uh, I've still got the same shaper though. I'm mm. still riding Sean Kensdell's boards. Um, Sean Kensdell is an ex-pro surfer as well, so yep. he was on the CT, so he kind of like carries all his experience from that into shaping my boards.
0: So, So do you just have one board that's a favourite? Mm.
3: Yeah, I definitely have a favourite board, but I travel to each event with about three to four
0: boards. Is that because one might break or...?
3: Yeah, I've actually had boards snap halfway through a heat where I've hit a section that's kind of um, a bit heavier and then I've had a crease in my board that I didn't know was there and then the board snaps and you've got to swim to shore and go switch over boards. But there's definitely boards that suit different conditions. Yeah,
0: it's interesting from that point is that, um, you know, Again, you're sort of looking at tennis. Probably the best analogy is you know the the strength, strength, and you know like so your surfboard. It could be you know a swallowtail or whatever. People like a fast board or slow board, or you know you know. So it's interesting that you know how do you choose the board that's going to be right for your style?
3: Um, so I've been working. Typically, surfers kind of work with a shaper or a variety of shapers for a couple of years before they find the board that they think kind of best suits them um but i've been lucky enough to be working with sean since i was 11 so we've really tweaked my boards to exactly what i like he's amazing in the way that i can kind of speak to him and say on this kind of carve the board doesn't kind of turn as quick and he'll know exactly what to tweak and what to change um as for picking boards for conditions you kind of look at the surf before an event and then kind of decide what board would ride best in those waves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's just so many different variables because the ocean's so unpredictable.
2: With um, surfing, because you mentioned before all these different places that you can go to that have surf, right? Yeah. So tell me, first of all, so where's your home turf? And secondly, does it really make a difference in different countries, like how the surf is?
3: It definitely does. So where I grew up in Wooleye, the waves are quite soft. They're quite mellow. I guess it's a perfect place for beginners. Um, And so my dad would actually, when I was growing up, would drive me to kind of Breaks with more power, like Ngauri and Iluka, heavier water waves. Um, but on the east coast of Australia, we're kind of limited in the way of there's not too many reef breaks where in my kind of region. And so when I was taken to Indonesia when I was fourteen for the first time, it was a big kind of. Uh, I guess it was like a big rise in my progression very quickly because I had to kind of just learn how to surf reef breaks after growing up on sand bottom kind of mellow waves my whole life.
0: So what did you do, surf over there at Finsby's? You go to Ulu- Uluwatu and um, down to Changu?
3: Yeah, so I surfed Chenggu, I surfed Uluwatu, Bingin, in um, Nusa Lumbongan, like yep, shipwrecks. Yep, yep. Um, and then when I was about 15, I went on another trip to the Mentau East. Or mental-wise. No, I was 16, sorry. And we surfed uh, Lance's right, Lance's left. Um, I think we surfed macaronis. Um, But, yeah, it was just amazing to kind of go from surfing sand bottom where it's just gentle, nice takeoffs to just straight, yeah, Yeah. just straight sucky kind of steep waves. They're
0: not not forgiving the old roof breaks, are they?
3: No, I came back with plenty of lacerations on my (laughs) back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you... Because
2: you started early, do you think, because you were talking about muscle memory with um, skateboarding before, do you think that that makes a huge difference that when you learn in that period of time when you're young and your brain's pretty plastic, that you get your your chops down early so then, when you are surfing these other places, like, you can... Sort of maneuver in yourself to go. Yeah, I can. I can navigate this one properly.
3: Yeah, I definitely think that the muscle memory from my skateboarding is carried through to even now. Like I'll get my skateboard out every now and then and just work on flat water. Just that muscle memory of compressing your knees and things like that, which is really important with um, suckier waves. Is that compression in your knees because it's so? If you fall off, you're falling straight onto shards of reef. Um, but yeah, that thing starting when I was so young, like I was first taken to Indonesia when I was 14, I guess I just took off on those waves and I didn't even think, (laughs) I just took off and I was like, oh, let's hope for the best here. And that kind of helped in the way that you've got to learn by failing. And so I did hit the reef a lot of times before I was comfortable. And now I feel like I'm comfortable in any reef Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. It was funny last night I was, um, doing some work and I work on on the computer all the time. So it's a... You can easily get distracted. And somehow I got onto Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's trial. Oh, yeah. And and there was a, um, his psychologist was being sort of grilled by the, you know, defense. Anyway, I went and checked out their website and there was the group of psychologists in LA, obviously premium psychologists, and they had a statement there saying, um, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf them. And I just thought, yeah, it's actually kind of interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, the amount of energy that's in the ocean, you're not going to be able to resist mm. it. So you you have to basically be at one with it in a sense, I would assume.
3: Yeah. I guess there's been so many situations where you're kind of, you're just looking at this immense amount of water and you're just like, well, there, I can't run right now. There's nowhere I can go. Like where I've kind of been caught in situations, surfing, say reef breaks, for example, um, and you just see this massive body of water, and you know it's going to break before it gets to you, and you haven't got enough time to paddle to a rip, and you haven't got enough time to paddle in, and you know that you've just got to wear it. I think that that's kind of where you realise that you're in an ocean, and you're going
2: to you, get pummeled.
3: Yeah, you're going to well, get pummeled, but you've just got to get through it, and then you know that you're going to get through, it and I guess that's a life lesson in itself. I guess. <laughs> well, it's
0: it's, it's nature's its best, isn't it? You can't you can't beat it. I, it's interesting, you uh, you say that your favourite wave is at Double Island Point. Um, I guess, uh, what do you actually call a good wave?
3: Yeah, I think Double Island Point has been one of my favourite waves. I think that's definitely changed now. Having surfed um, Sunset Beach in Hawaii, I think that's probably Enjoy. my favourite wave yep. now. Uh, but Double Island Point, um, I guess describing a good wave is it's different for every surfer there's some surfers that i know that will love to just go out in a two foot short ump, short wave probably only get one turn but they just love it it's just consistent you catch more waves when the waves is that small um but for me i love just a big takeoff and a big face to work with and kind of get a few turns but double island point is a long reef break so the wave goes for like a minute long which is kind of abnormal for any other beach break
0: yeah it's interesting from the point now. Quite often we'll ask this question, you know, and and it's you know at this point you're being eighteen years old. I mean, where do you? I know that I looked looked at googled you up, and in, in terms of you know your your number one challenge is to be number one in the world. I mean that you know that's a that's a that's a challenge for anyone that wants to take on a sport full time. Um, but where do you see yourself in three years, five years?
3: Well, my five year plan. I guess is to chip away at that goal. My um, first goal in kind of getting to that point is to qualify for the CT. So to be traveling around the world, surfing the best waves, surfing with the best girl surfers, and yeah, it is a crazy goal. And especially being from such a small town where no one—it's not very known for surfing.
0: Well, <laughs> well, it's and that's sort of that's interesting, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, is that. Who, you know, you just said with female or male surfers, who do you look up to, a female or a male surfer? Or who, who's your, who do, who do you, is there a mentor? Is there a, someone you idolise?
3: It's interesting you say that because I think that there's a collection of surfers, both male and female, that I look up to and even just drawing inspiration from athletes from other sports and their mentality because mm-hmm. I think that that is the one thing that, either makes an athlete or breaks an athlete is their mentality and so I drew, do draw a lot of inspiration from the boxer um, Ronda Rousey. I can't remember what it's called I think it's called undefeatable it was before she was defeated yeah. Um, but yeah it was just amazing mentality stuff.
0: MMA wasn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah. MMA fighter. She, did,
0: she used to be the gun at um, the, the arm bar. She was like highly
2: trained in judo before she did MMA so the skills she brought to it in being able to get people to the ground and throw them down and then do those arm bars, yeah, like, which arm is a jiu jitsu thing. Yeah. Her opponents couldn't really be there for a long time, you know.
3: No, yeah. they couldn't. Yeah. And her mum being a jiu jitsu champion as well. Mm. But yeah, her book talks about just how she built that mentality because she was living out of the back of her car. For five years prior, and then won a big MMA event, and all of a sudden she's this celebrity superstar.
0: Hey, don't knock it. You, you've got that. You've got that to look forward to. Living out the back of the car for the next five.
3: Years. <laughs> yeah, road trip down to Bell's Beach. I'm glad I've got a place when I get down there.
0: So you've, what's, you've got a couple of mates. You're going down there. Um, the, what are they going straight on? Are they surfing professional too? Or
3: uh, they're not surfing professionally, although they're die sp- surfing fans. Um, they're both working in a surf shop down there at the moment, and they're both—they were both at the Phillip Island event as support, kind of, which was my best event this year. And they're both just amazing, just kind of keep me on my training regime. Like while we were down there, we'd stretch together every night. We would go to the skate park where you get a lot of that muscle memory, and yeah, they're both just really good mates. What's
0: a what's a training day for you?
3: A training day, um, implementing work as well, would be I kind of go to the gym in the morning. I really like the Atoria gym here in West End in yeah. Brisbane.
0: That's a big shout out there. You better, you better, yeah. you better get a get bit of sponsorship out of that. I should actually <laughs> know, but they're
3: really good. They were really nice there. Um, so I did, a, I've been doing a bit of training there. Um, I've got some 24 hour gym fitness thing that I'll just go when I've got spare time in between work. Um, but yeah, typical training day, morning training session at the gym, go for a surf, then go to work and then stretch and wind down at the time, and then do it all again the next day. Um, but yeah, I'm looking to when I move closer to the beach because obviously I'm living in Brisbane now, which has been really cool. And I think it's kind of been weird to grow areas of myself not being by the beach. I've never lived away from the beach. Um, But yeah, moving back to the beach, I'll definitely be implementing many more hours in the water, heaps more hours surfing and skating.
2: With um, the actual physical side of the training, for surfing, is there sort of an optimal sweet spot between flexibility, strength, weight endurance, those sorts of things?
3: Yeah, it's actually interesting because you train for certain events. Mm. So if you were to surf big waves, obviously you would want to bulk up and kind of do a lot of strength training. Um, But for a majority of the QS in our region, which is on the east coast of Australia, it is that mellower kind of waves. You definitely have big swell periods. Like we did have an east coast low during a few of the events. Uh, But yeah, basically, the training kind of involves being super flexible and mobile and then yeah just a little bit of strength and kind of endurance in that
2: what part of your body is is mostly sort of like so for cyclists they'd say well it's the legs of the engine right yeah so in surfing is it sort of everything because you've got to swim out right you've got to paddle out so your shoulders and your arms and
3: yeah definitely and in surfing uh there's this thing rewarded called priority so Uh, To earn priority after you catch each wave, you've got to actually beat your competitor out the back to earn kind of priority over them. So any wave that comes through after that is yours. It doesn't matter where you take off from. Um, And so to earn that, you've got to have really big paddle strength. So at the gym, you want to have strong shoulders, strong core, strong everything, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We were talking before, I mean, before we started the podcast, is that, um, you know... what I, I watched a show the other week and it was free surfing yeah um, which is becoming massive now in terms of a, actual event do you incorporate free surfing into your into your normal style I mean sorry I what I, is free surfing oh we, we'll get an explanation here because I think there's something called punt and aerial
3: yeah an aerial um so free surfing is basically just going out into the water with Basically just having fun, yeah. really, just not really focusing on anything or working on anything. There's no competition so there's no time constraints. Um, free surfing's become so popular now because there's just so many kind of film editors and people that are into that movie side of things. But watching free surfers is amazing because they're not surfing to make sure that they learn turns. They're not surfing to make sure they're on the best waves. And I think that it's kind of... The raw essence of surfing—the way you'll see, kind of Dane Reynolds and Noah Dean, which are aerial surfers. Yep. So they'll they'll go for punts, yep. <laughs> and they land these crazy maneuvers because they know there's no pressure to land them at all. Um, whereas competitive surfers, they kind of tie down in a way where they they'll go out into a surf and they're like, well, I've got to make sure I'm landing this. I've got to make sure I'm landing this because I need to be doing this in a 20 minute time frame um but all surfers definitely implement free surfing whether it's intentional or not because we all love it and so we all go for a surf every now and then and just have no constraints on ourselves but yeah definitely free full-time free surfers land some crazy maneuvers
0: so do you i don't know really how to ask this but i mean is it is it a male or, I mean, it seems to be both. I think there's been good coverage of female and male surfing now. I mean, is, it, is that, that's where it's at? Is it it's, it's on a level that's equal? I mean, as you said, you've got you've got people you look up to, a male and female and surfers. Um, you know, is it, where's that at the level now? Is it, obviously, Australia's got some amazing surfers in both categories, yeah. right, in female and male. Is it, um, is that where it is, it, it's doesn't matter if male or female it's it's at an even level
3: there's definitely uh the gender gap over the past 20 years has like moved i mean it's so small now um there's definitely guys that the guys level of surfing is still that little bit more than the girls but implementing the equal pay in 2020 is incredible and has kind of pushed so many young girls to even get into the sport knowing that it's a equal plane of career for both male and female. Um, in the free surfing side of things, I have to say I almost prefer watching female surfers. I don't know if that's a f- because I'm a female surfer myself.
0: Well, that's why we got you on here, so you yeah. can female oriented.
3: <laughs> um, but I guess, yeah, surfing female surfers and male surfers, the gap is narrowing so quickly now. And, yeah, having that equal pay, it's just the girls are working harder and... Yeah, it's amazing to see. And we're also getting that same level of support. So for so long, there's actually a girls' surf movie called, that came out, I think it was last year, called Girls Can't Surf. And it's about that era of pro surfing with um, Pauline Mensha and... Uh, world famous surfer lane beachley well, i was
0: just going to say lane beachley
3: yes yeah, so i've actually had the privilege of doing a little bit of coaching with her at the high performance center and meeting her and getting a lot of that mindset stuff because she's got such an incredible mind and has worked through a lot of adversity to get the success that she has today um but yeah there's that movie called girls can't surf and it talks about how they were treated so poorly and treated as such a second class on the world tour And now it is so equal playing that both women and men are getting the both same amount of views, um, working just as hard.
0: It's a great conversation because it's, we, we talk about equality a lot of the times with, with all the sports and and look, I think we all want to see that happen in all facets of our life. I mean, in, in the podcast before we've talked about, I, I quite often talk about three circles of life where you've got sport, family, and, um, of course work, um, I guess, This is for you at sport and work. You might only have two circles of life. But do you reckon when you were talking about the equality coming is that do you reckon Lane Lane was a a real inspiration to take women's sport to another level? I mean, I, I read something here which says that Lane Beachley is regarded as the most successful female surfer in history. Lane's dedication to success saw her as the only surfer, male or female to claim six consecutive world titles between 98 and 2003. Lane went on to win a seventh world title in 2006 before retiring for the ASP World Tour in 2008. So in retirement, she's become a keynote speaker. Has that pushed female sport to to that level that you said that the gap's closed?
3: I think that, yeah, she's definitely been an important kind of chess piece.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, but it's been kind of a whole... R- evolution of girls surfers so many girls surfers playing parts in getting this sport to kind of progress forward um but yeah she's definitely been a key piece having won six world titles back to back that's a feat that yeah hasn't been matched male or female in surfing
2: so she's like a sort of tony hawk level freak sort of thing as in that good yeah Was was she the first australian champion
3: i think I don't think she was, I think there was Pam Burridge prior to yeah. that, yeah, yeah, um, but she was definitely like having won six in a row. she's definitely put Australia in the map like there's I think there's out of the twenty five on tour, I think there's about six Australian surfers, so to have people all so the world tour is people all over the world to have six people from the one country is pretty amazing yeah, I think we, that,
0: like yeah. We seem to breed them here. Well, we're very lucky. (laughs) I mean, we're very lucky with our waves here, aren't we? Look, it's, um, you know, Bells Beach is renowned as one of the best surfing events, you know, to get to. Um, Yes, it's cold down there and you've got some some really nice cold weather to go to, but it is regarded as the best waves. I mean, I've I've surfed there and and let me tell you, drowned nearly, um, because the worst thing is, and you were talking about it before, is that... You know, what was the, what's, what's something that scares you in terms of that is that, you know, a wave wipes you out. Mm. When you get back up and another wave is on its way, yeah. um, there's nothing worse. So, you know, how do you go out of curiosity when you know that you're tumbling down and you're rolling and let's not talk about reef breaks, let's talk about sand, is that at least you're not going to hit the reef, but you're stuck under that water waiting to come back up?
3: Yeah, uh, there's definitely like you are saying about training and obviously skating and gym work. You've got to do a lot of breath work um, mm. because sometimes, especially with those kind of shorter waves that are really uh, steep and kind of powerful, when you go down, they push all the air out of you. So when you hit, you kind of get winded and then you're underwater with no, we- no air. And so it can kind of be a really stressful situation where it is only kind of 10 to 15 seconds at most, but it's a 10 to 15 seconds, it feels like minutes because mm. you've got no air in your lungs and you don't know when you're coming off. So
0: it's your belief, while well, you know that 10 or 15 seconds is going on, is your belief that, look, I am going to come to the surface?
3: Yeah, yeah, you kind of just have to trust that you'll be to the surface it can be kind of stressful in some situations and a lot of surfers talk about where they go to their happy place where they just kind of pretend that it's not happening and just imagine that they're still it'd surfing. be pretty hard
2: for me to go to my happy place <laughs> <situation>. <laughs> my happy place is not there that's right yeah I what what about it? in australia what's your favorite
3: um in australia probably um And Gowrie Point, which is near Yamba, near where I live at home. Yeah. It's like reef bottom as well, um, but kind of mellow, just point break, super fun wave. Nice,
2: nice. Yeah. Can I ask you quickly, I've always wondered this, um, you know, friends of mine that it's well all the time or have for years, um, they've said to me that it's like, and it's that thing you hear on, you know, all all (laughs) sorts of media and stuff, but where you just lose yourself, you're not there anymore, it's like everything you're doing to be in sort of harmony with the energy of the ocean is like you're not thinking about it anymore. Does that – have you had that experience? Like,
3: I think that if it's almost bizarre, if I don't go surfing in three days, I feel a bit scattered in my mind. It's almost like a combined meditation with exercise. It, I honestly – I couldn't speak any more highly of it. It saved me in so many situations where I've had a fight with my little brother or I've had a fight with my mum or something and I just grab my board and I'll go for a surf and then I instantly feel so much better and feel so much calmer and more rational about different situations. So it's a tool in so many different ways. So, yeah, I definitely agree with those guys on that. <laughs> so,
0: what, so what are you, a goofy or a natural?
3: I'm natural-footed, yeah.
0: Okay. So, it, we, again, we talked earlier is that um, – I've got to say, I, I, as a young kid I saw Jaws and I was scared to go in the bath after that. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a girl that, um, as you said, one of your favourite waves now in Hawaii was at um, Bethany Hamilton. Yeah. Um, she had a shark attack that bit her entire arm off. Does that become a thought process as soon as you're jumping in the water or is that something you just got to put behind?
3: Um, it's been an interesting kind of uh evolution with thoughts and sharks uh throughout my surfing career. Obviously when you're younger you just kind of put it to the back of your mind and don't really think about it. And then there's that stage where you're kind of old enough to learn about what waters are sharky and more dangerous to go surfing in. Uh I've actually been lucky enough to surf with Bethany Hamilton in Newcastle. Okay. I met her at this wave. It was like some secret wave and my dad and I put backpacks on and went for like an hour walk through this Scout camp and then came out, and there was this reef break, and she was surfing there. Um, but yeah, no, she's incredible. I couldn't speak any more highly of her as well. I mean, an (laughs) athlete like she has one arm, she's got no weight on one half of her body. Like, the fact that she can even walk is amazing.
0: From Australia, obviously, we have had a lot of you know, we talk McFanning, but you know, girls that are just. They have been amazing through the Australia. I mean, again, I sort of jump on here that you, you say Hawaii. Look, here is another one here, Car- Carissa uh, Moore from Honolulu. Yeah. Um, there seems to be Hawaii and Australia on the battle of the sexes here, of who's uh, who's got the best surfers.
3: Yeah, um, I've never kind of thought about that, but there is just so many female surfers from all around the world um, that are just amazing, like Joanne Defay coming from France. Um, a few surfers from Tahiti. There's just talent pools all over the world being inspired by those surf movies, like the Bethany Hamilton story as well. Um, but yeah, we've definitely got the bitter end of the stick having so many sharks in Australia.
1: See, I can understand like Brazil and Tahiti and all those places, but France? Have you have you surfed in France?
3: I haven't surfed in France, but there's actually a world tour stop there. No it, way. Yeah. Oh. So there's a world tour stop there um in Horsigor, and yeah it's a super cold climate as well. So there's like there's a few events in Portugal, France, um which is why I'm moving to Bell's Beach to kind of get used to those colder climates. Um but yeah no it's it's there's some amazing waves in France yeah
0: yeah yeah look and it's funny when you flick through it Brazil so it's um it's all over the place I mean what like. When we talk again, let's go tennis, and I'll use an example so to come back to analogy is that, you know, you've got four grand slams, which is, you know, the French Open, the Wimbledon, US Open, Australian Open. What are the main events for surfing?
3: Uh, So there's events that go all year round. Um... I wouldn't say any event it was more important than the other for the CT, the World Championship Tour, because they all have the same amount of points. Um, Although towards the end of the year, the kind of deciding events are in Hawaii. And then the opening event is um, in Bells Beach, Australia. So those two events would probably kind of be the most exciting to watch because it's the beginning of the season and the end of the season. So that's
0: got to be a dream, isn't it, that you go up and because you're only allowed to ring ring the bell if you win it. Yeah. So that's got to be the dream.
3: I mean, any Australian girl or I mean, girl or boy surfer, would be to it's ring like the bell.
0: It's like a premiership.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so in terms of the of the competition, look, what do the judges actually judge on? What are the parameters that they're looking for?
3: Yeah, so that's probably something that I guess would be so hard to explain to someone that didn't surf, but I guess um, the size of the wave, the mm. quality of the wave, the degree of difficulty the variety of the manoeuvres as well. So if you do the exact same snap three times, you would get less points than someone that did a snap, then a carve and then another snap. So it's like incorporating variety because that's, I guess, kind of falls under the umbrella of degree of difficulty as well. But, yeah, so degree of difficulty, quality of the wave and variety of manoeuvres. Do
1: they do they judge on style?
3: Um, I think that style just implements its way naturally. So someone doing kind of... Uh, the same, I mean, the same variation of turns. If somebody has a good style, it's obviously going to be look better yeah. than someone that has a bad style and does the same amount of turns. And because judging is so visual, um, I guess it's, it would kind of come into that. Um, someone yeah. with a better style would probably get scored a bit better, I guess.
0: What would you say the best thing is about surfing?
3: Um, like you were saying before, it's just... It can be whatever you want it to be, it can be a workout, it can be a meditation but overall I've never come out of the surf feeling bad unless I've like lost well, a heat or something.
0: That, that poses the next question, the worst thing about surfing.
3: The worst thing about surfing, probably sharks, um, pin downs, I guess getting stuck in situations where you think you're going to die. But I think that those can kind of also be a positive as well. Like sharks kind of remind you of your mortality and to be grateful for the life that like to be appreciative of every breath and then being put in life or death situation makes you appreciative of your breath. Like <laughs>
0: is, it, is it somewhere you wanna surf that you haven't surfed yet?
3: Um yeah, there's so many waves. I wanna surf every single wave that I see on the internet all over the world. So I think
1: what not- about
2: those ones where you you know those ones that come up and everybody is there's not a surfer and maybe most people that are just horrified where you see these walls of water that's like us, like the size of an empire state building a big wave surfing and it's yeah. just like coming at you and you see this little dot <laughs> right in the middle of it and there's some guy on a thruster just sitting there just riding like, it is is that are you sort of like yeah obviously you know you'd be stupid if you didn't have a healthy respect for a wave of that size but is that something yeah. that you could Conceive of ever attacking or,
3: yeah. Well, one of my, <laughs>
2: up, no uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: um, no, not at this level now, it'd take a lot of training, but when I see those videos, I think, oh, that's a challenge that I want to take on.
2: Yeah, I guess that's my question is that you have a feeling of excitement, yeah, with that, but where I have a feeling of dread and horror and i'm like (laughs) can we go to a cat video next or a (laughs) A meme yeah
3: some description because
2: it's um yeah i mean that's like it's a really challenging sport in that sense i mean but i suppose you're really backing yourself and you know in doing that like
3: yeah i've had friends um there's a girl my age summer long bottom who i grew up surfing with And she's kind of veered away from the competitive path and gone down that um, big wave surfing path, Mm. and kind of seeing her dad's a big wave surfer as well, and so they kind of chase swells and waves in Portugal as well. She surfed Nazaré, which may have been one of the videos that you had seen, Uh, but seeing her do it and be so comfortable with it is so inspiring. And I think to myself, well, if I ever get the opportunity, I'm just going to train and I'm just going to do it. Because I reckon, I reckon
1: she'll do it. I reckon, oh, yeah. I reckon you'll get
2: there. <laughs> it Won't be long. Well, how, how old were you when you, you know, when you started surfing that you sort of could read the water and go, "That's a rip over there," and that's so I've got to be careful in this area or those yeah. sorts of things.
3: I think that you kind of gain ocean knowledge throughout your whole kind of surfing career, and when you get braver and surf waves that are bigger and surf breaks that are more dangerous, um, but. When I first kind of understood ocean knowledge was when I kind of first started at six because I'd been surfing or swimming in the shore dumps and being at the beach from four with a bodyboard. Yeah. And so I think intuitively you just kind of figure it out as a child, like you're so kind of um, Mm. absorb all the information around you and the ocean is just another.
0: Environment that you're inside of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So so you say you're, you know, we'll get onto it is that you're going to head down to the Great Ocean Road. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're we're heading into May June, so it's pretty cold. What is what is too cold to go for a surf? Too
3: cold. Well, those limits have been challenged by surfers all over the world, like France and Corsica is really really cold. Um, but I'm going to be having to pack some four or four three wetsuits, which is like rubber, yep. which also adds to the element of like. It's pretty hard to surf in those wetsuits. Mm. Um, but too cold, I wouldn't put a cap on that. I think that Bells was previously to me deciding to move there was too cold for me. I'd had a few events there and I'd duck dived and I literally thought that the pressure on my head was so intense. like It felt like a, the worst brain freeze ever. But I think that kind of getting used to that would be good for my surfing as well. So
0: does it? Do you reckon going in those events and challenging yourself to that mental... Um, strain because it, it is harder to because you put pressure we we've said before there's two types of pressure There's pressure that people put on you and there's pressure you put on yourself um, So by that pressure that you've put on yourself because you're in a team environment. Does that make you a better individual surfer?
3: I think that any um, Point in your life where you put under a pressure scenario is good for you and healthy for you Like they say that pressure is a privilege.
0: We often um, will say that um, when we hear something, we'll, we'll actually repeat I've never heard that comment, but it's a great comment, but yeah. the pressure is a privilege.
2: Well, it takes it away from you being at the behest of pressure, like the victim of pressure coming at you, to that you're now responding to the pressure. So it puts you in a power I've position. I've never heard that. Yeah, I've never heard yeah. It, yeah, like that's that. Yeah, but
1: that, that goes back to what we were talking about ages ago, about what separates those elite athletes. Yeah, It's that killer instinct. Yeah. And this one's got it. Like, that's the thing is if you're able to take on that and just make it one with yourself and just have that mindset like, no, nah, I love it. You know what I mean? That's what the champions did. That's why, we, you know, we always go to, you know, you hear me often talk about Michael Jordan all those guys. Yeah. They want the ball
0: with, yeah. with five seconds to go. And, and you know, and we have. We've talked about it, you know, we in so many aspects, you know, what's the thing that gets you up in the morning, the challenge or whatever it is. Um, I mean, and... There's a, you know, we sat with Tom here, you know, who's going to row across the ocean 14,000 kilometres, you know, mm-hmm. you're crazy. Um, you know, but something drives people to be the best at what they can be. Um, and some people don't, we talked about, you know, like we, we don't even know, some people could be the best of something, but we would never find out. You know, but you've found out that you, you've got a talent in surfing. Um, you're now exploring that and taking it to you know taking it further. Is that now you've got the opportunity to you know get go to the Bells, one of the best surfing places in the world, and become what your dream is. You know, and that's a great that's a great point from your aspect. At 18 years old, I mean, <laughs> we've got to put this in perspective. Yeah. You're 18. The car's parked at the front with peas. <clears throat> plates on. Yeah. you know, it's so wonderful for you to to find your passion, what
2: you really love at such an early age, you know. And when you were saying before you were homeschooled, I was going to ask, like, did you, well, I guess I guess you don't really know what you're missing about going into a high school in a sense. Yeah. But did you find that you were so enamoured with your life as as a surfer that that just didn't even really matter? There wasn't a question of that?
3: It's weird because I think that I was so unaware of the privilege that I had from not going to high school that all my friend circles that I have now are friends that share common interests are into the same thing. When I would have conversation, I, there was a period where I did feel really lonely and I felt like I was missing out and all my friends were partying and um, I didn't kind of see them for a period of time. And I was always talking with adults and always talking with strength and conditioning coaches and I was never really hanging out with people my age but then when I did kind of reconnect with all my friends or kind of connected with friend circles when I was older I realized that I was so lucky they were saying oh had to put up with this person in high school I had to put up with this person in high school remember when we had to do this in high school and I was like well I really just missed that whole chunk Yeah, and I've just got the cream of the crop of friends now.
2: Yeah. yeah, so you've kind of like found your tribe really, you know, like the people. Yeah. That. I was going to ask you too, with um, an individual sport like that, is there camaraderie between you and your other surfing mates who are kind of at your similar level or is it kind of healthy competition or is it encouraging each other? How does that sort of um, work?
3: it It's different for each athlete. There's so many athletes though that I travel with and compete with where it's just so kind of um almost just not even spoken that it's just friends outside of the water competitors in the water Mm -hmm. so there's no kind of correlation or like kind of hissy fits or cat fights or things like that like i've for example i competed with um one of my best friends this year raya campbell we traveled together to Phillip Island. We traveled together all up and down the coast and we had heats together where we would have to literally sit on each other and take waves off of each other or I'd be surfing with friends where I'd have to literally ruin their opportunity at making it through to the next round. But it's just common knowledge that we both love the sport so much that
2: But once you're finished and you're eating fish and chips, you're like like talking about normal stuff. Would you talk about the fact that you cut him?
3: Pardon?
1: Would you (laughs) talk about the fact that you cut him?
3: (laughs) Actually, it was kind of funny. i beat Rayo in Phillip Island um, in one of the, Early, early heats. It didn't matter. She's beat me so many times since then. Uh, but we'll talk about when I beat her.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, <yeah. laughs> um, but I beat her and there was this book in the Airbnb that we were staying at and it said The Book of Happiness. <laughs> and she was in the kitchen. She was like, oh, if I only just, if I just got this wave and I just threw it at her and I was like, do you want that? After I hate oh. <laughs> something
2: like that, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but
3: then at the next competition, I think she beat she beat me in a vocal in Sydney, and she came up to me after, and we were staying with each other again. We were staying in beds right next to each other, actually. So we obviously we were such good mates. And she came back, and she was like, "Oh, did you keep the book of happiness for our heat just then?" Uh, oh, I, <laughs> I love that. That's <laughs>
0: yeah. so good. It's so good. It, but it, it's it's a sport that really. Um, You don't see many geeks in, do you? I mean, you've got a couple of sayings that surfing is life, the rest is details. Um, Or another one is a bad day surfing is better than a good day working. I mean, you. have And been, in Point Break, there's that kid that says
2: surfing's the source, man. It'll change <laughs> your life.
3: Yeah. So those big waves at um, Chopu in Tahiti—that's like Summer's dad. Yeah. Right. And so when I go to their house, and there's like massive boards in the living room, and photos of them on the wall—it's so inspiring. But yeah, it's a little side note. But yeah,
0: you sort of look now—is that um, you know you've you've got? I mean, as a female, I mean you you look at life, and I'm I'm interested to see how you you, you answer this—is that you look at life and sport and work at the moment is, is the same circle. Um, and you're very lucky because it's – that's a great avenue to have, you know, where you can do what you actually dream of doing. What – at what stage do you – I mean, you're, you're obviously going to have um, challenges to get there. You're going to have uh, a lot of hurdles to jump across to, you know, to get to that dream. At what point – I mean – Have you thought that how long do you give this to to make it?
3: To make it to the CT? Yeah. I think that, I mean, I'm pretty stubborn. I'll probably stretch it out longer than I say now. But I'd probably give it to, say, my uh, mid to late 20s. There's been people that have qualified in their late 20s for the CT. But being 18 now and having competed through my whole life and kind of grown up, just having this passion and this thing to strive for. Uh, I'm just so grateful for that. And all. It, it's like they say that the success comes in the pursuit of the success. Mm-hmm. Um, So all the mindset things that I've learned throughout um, kind of like my teenage years and I don't struggle with anything like anxiety and, like, I've got some peers, I think, that I grew up with that struggle with depression, anxiety and, like, things like that and that just doesn't even cross my mind. Um, and I think that I'm just going to work at this goal for as long as I can and if I don't reach it, I'm left with all this amazing knowledge and experiences. But so I mean, you're going to be surfing
2: for, like, the rest of your life with, regardless of whether regardless. you're competing. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah. It's, it's a part of you now.
3: Yeah, it's a part of every day. Like I was saying before, if I go three days without surfing, I feel weird in the head. I need so to that, the so that's,
0: that's funny because <laughs> most of the people we've had on here have have gone to that negative. We 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 were earlier we were talking about at the top of the tree. This is the positive and negative. So very much you're in that positive circle. Yeah. Um, so. What what keeps you in that positive circle? Like you're very positive. Like I, what I heard then was that you know you you're gonna you're gonna keep going. I, look, I'm I'm sure that in five years on this podcast we'll, we'll have you back as that number one world champion. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because yeah, obviously you've you've got a, a skill at the art we call it in terms of surfing, and um, you know started early, but you are 18, and I think that a lot of people, you know, that they don't mature until maybe early 20s or whatever in in terms of sport. But, and I'm not sure what the average is in terms of surfing. You look at Mick Fanning, he's just won, what was he, 50? So there's a point there. How how long do you keep going? Is it just as long as you're successful, as long as it can fund you? I mean, how long do you keep the surfing in terms of that as a sport and a work?
3: Well, I think that obviously there's a point where your kind of body starts depleting as an athlete. Yeah um and that would be something that you would take into consideration when it becomes a problem but I think I'm just gonna keep going until I'm Mm. literally running into the ground (laughs) but I guess like with surfing there's just so many other career paths that you can go down after competing like you were saying about free surfing you can Mm. kind of get into the free surfing there's coaching you can get into that there's commentating as well I mean there's just so many other paths that you can get from the surfing industry and if something isn't working out i'll just stay in that surfing industry and just find
2: yeah trust yourself to find your way sort of thing yeah that was
0: a that's a conversation that we've had before with footballers is that you know there's so many people that play the sport but after sport there's only one percent that actually make it in the commentating you said commentating is that um so there are people obviously world champions and there are so many commentators and whatever so Obviously, if you get to that point, is that then the environment you want to go to is either coaching or commentary or whatever it is?
3: Um, I've always been super interested in the media side of things and making girls surf films. Um, I edit all my own videos and when I... I
2: watched some last night. They were great. Oh, thank you. There was one particularly with a friend of yours and you went to Coffs Harbour together. Oh, okay. I can't can't remember the friend's (laughs) name, but yeah, it was cool.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, no... um, Yeah, Coffs Harbour's like an hour from my hometown. Uh, But, yeah, no, I love that media side of thing. I did a screen and media course in TAFE and I've always loved making my own little videos and I've always kind of, if I've ever had to do any media stuff for Billabong or media stuff, I was sponsored by a bank for a little while there. Yeah, Um, right. And I made a couple, like, promo ads for them. Um, But, yeah, post-surfing career, I'd love to just kind of work on films and things like that.
2: You said before you're stubborn. Well, you can be right that yeah. you've got that in you, and you were homeschooled. So, was there a time when you said to your parents, I'm doing this? And they, what was their opinion? Were they like, Yeah, she's going to do that. So, we'll support her all the way, or
3: uh, with surfing? So, yeah, yeah. Um, there was definitely a point where I. Just said to them outright. I think I was probably eight when I told first told them that I wanted to be a pro
2: <laughs> um You put down your crayons and you said, "Now listen here, we're going to have a board meeting of the family around the dinner table." Everyone's watching play school. Or, or, yeah. you know, I've got you some. i got some knowledge. I've got to drop <laughs> on this family. <laughs> it's like hang on. Like going
1: back to you, like you, you're only eighteen. You know, for any girls that are you know coming up through. Like I often ask this question to a lot of people. Is like, is there any advice that you can give to anyone who sort of wants to follow your footsteps or who's dreaming of doing what you're doing? Is there any advice that you can give them?
3: There's something to be learned from every single situation. If you feel like you don't want to do this or you don't want to do that or you have to do this where it be like an assignment or something, um, there's something to be learned from everything. So say you have to do this maths assignment. Um, I think that I guess you just got to take it. That's mental training. If you do that assignment, you'll be mentally stronger and that'll help you. Like everything is a stepping stone to help you towards something.
0: I'll just um, look we're, and we're stealing into time here because, um, you know, we, we were very lucky to get Carly on the, on the show tonight because she, uh, she's about to head down south. And embark on this challenge, that, um, which is amazing. So, you know, we're uh, looking at the time. I know you friends are, are all waiting. and we'll Yeah, we're, we're, we've we've held you up long enough and we're so thankful <laughs> that you've given us this time. No, but, I've really yeah. enjoyed it. And one of the things we do say here is that um, when we've started here is we we actually want to bring people back on and see where they are in a few years. And, and you are absolutely up there with the top of the people that we've brought on here that want to see where you are with Tom, you know, what happened with that challenge of rowing across the Pacific Ocean, but um, you are definitely up there and seeing because you're at 18 is it? I want to see where you are at 20 or 22 or 25 or 30 and and I hope you are living your dream because, hope, I I actually believe you will because, you know, you've, you've got it deep entrenched in yourself that it's in your heart and your soul that, you know, that you want to do this and... You know, you're going to Bells, which is regarded as one of the top five places in the world to surf. And, you know, you're you're taking on a professional person to to coach you and do the things that will get you six months. You know, that's the first event I might go in. So you're doing all the things that are going to get you there. And, look, it's admirable as an 18-year-old that you're doing this. I mean... I'm going to say, like, really well done because I'm, I'm looking forward to getting you back here and when For we're sure. doing this in five years' time. And say, Carly, how is it now being number one in the world? <laughs> From your point of view, is that, um, you know, it's another Australian good surfer that that happens. And, um, you know, but I think irrespective that, you know, I said it before, is there's not many geeks in surfing. You're another cool chick out of surfing. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's, You know, the people you surround yourself are all good people in terms of being mentors for you in surfing, male and female. And I think that by the sounds of this, that probably this is one of the sports that I'm interested in that actually has more quality with male and females than any sport I think around
3: yeah the quality in both female and male surfing is just amazing like i was speaking before in the break i think that it's not almost better or worse like i was saying competitive wise there are a lot of guys that are a lot sharper and kind of make uh better decisions in the water but with that coming support of the in like equal pay in 2020 that gender gap is going to diminish in yeah. the next couple of years uh but on the free surfing side of things i Think that women's surfing is just kind of different and manual surfing is different. Like, it's talking about styles before. Um, I find that girls' surfing style is a lot more elegant to mm-hmm. watch. Yeah. And that, um, I mean, I guess I did say that, like, I guess as a whole, female surfing is a lot more elegant. Um, there is definitely a lot of guys that surf elegantly, free surf. But yeah, both male and female, it's just, I've got equal male surfing idols that I look up to as female yeah. surfing idols. So that's, that's the crazy. thing is
1: what you were talking about that in comparison between the male and female, there's no, like when you watch it, there's no difference. Like it's on par with each other yeah. in regards to skill, in regards to pretty much everything within that competition. And that's what makes it so like thrilling to watch.
3: Yeah. You
1: know, you're not going, oh, you know, this is better than that. Isn't that? There's nothing like that. You know yeah. Yeah.
3: It's not like that at all. It's obviously different because there's just like different biomechanics. Like obviously a male and a female aren't the same. We're two different kind of humans, so to speak. So it looks different um, in the way of style and things like that. But no, the manoeuvres and the waves that women are taking off on are just as scary, just as big. Totally, yeah. Yeah.
2: I I mean, the adversary is not another human. It's the energy of the ocean whether you're male or female, harmonising with that, with whichever body you happen to be in, yeah. is still going to look elegant and beautiful because there's no way for it not to. Exactly because right.
0: yeah. Otherwise you're going to fall off right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I sort of think, what's your mindset in terms of when you're going out for a wave? Because what do you think about when you're waiting for that wave?
3: Um, like you were saying before, how you're such a visual person, I think a lot of, there's a lot of visualisation. So when you're waiting there, you're kind of just visualising what you want to do. You've obviously, for a competition, in a competition mindset sort of thing, you've obviously been watching all the waves all day. You know what a good wave on that day looks like and you know what type of turns are going to get you the score. So when you're sitting and waiting there, I think that you just kind of sit there and visualise what you want to do and, yeah just kind of wait for the opportunity to come through so you can do what you visualize. Yeah. I'd well, Carly, love to come we, back.
0: Yeah. Actually, um, so as we can let you go to catch up with your friends, is that um, uh, we always have this thing on this podcast where we do what we call five from five. Um, so it's just five questions, random, um, and uh, interesting to hear your your answers being, uh, you know, cool chick surfer, um, You know, um, so, the first one well, the third one's going to be very hard for you, but the first one is um, your favorite movie.:
3: Oh my gosh. Oh my God, there's been so many movies that just flooded through my mind just then. Um, probably movie oh, my favorite movie would have to be stop, up that cartoon with the Penguins. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to think there's been so many like I life changes.:
0: I, I could only think of Happy Feet. Yeah, I oh, no, yeah, I remember yeah. Surf's, up. Yeah, I surf's up. Surf's Up,
3: yeah. I mean, yeah, of yeah. course, it's the best movie ever. Yeah. And there's been so many life-changing documentaries that I've watched and things like that, but the only thing that came to my mind then was Surf's Up. I was like, Surf's Up, Surf's Up. But, well, yeah, but no, Surf's Up.
0: This isn't part of the question, but it comes from what you just said. I mean, when you're waiting for your time to go out, I mean, what do you do? Do you jump on the phone and start looking at documentaries or...?
3: Uh, waiting say at What's a competition for me most of the time when you're at event you kind of go for a free surf before you surf and then speak to your coach i try not to have my phone on me i get so distracted but mm. i've got so much tiktok and snapchat mm. nowadays i just leave my phone in the car mm. um but yeah leading up to event i love watching documentaries um with other athletes too in their s- sports like ronda Riasi documentary and then there's that uh, Michelle Payne, that horse rider. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, first yeah, one I love Don't yep.
0: Sorry? The first one with the Melbourne car? Yeah. Yeah, that's,
3: that's
0: mm-hmm. it. Yeah. All right, second question. Favourite band?
3: My favourite band, um, Sticky oh, Fingers. Oh. I
0: was always going to say, I'll bet you say Black Eyed Peas. Oh.
3: <laughs> Black Eyed Peas are amazing. <laughs> um, that Australian band, Sticky Fingers, from Newtown
0: okay. right. Sydney. Now, now normally, <laughs> normally this question is easy to answer because uh, we've got people on here that have, you know, they're at the finish of their career. I'm not sure if you can do this yet. Maybe you have. I reckon. When yeah. Have you ever used your name to get in somewhere?
3: I've ever used my name to get in somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Um, no, I have used my name for certain things, though, for discounts of things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. We'll take <laughs> oh, yeah. that
1: one. That's just as that good. Qualifies, yeah. That qualifies. That yeah, qualifies. Yeah, we'll take
3: that one. I went to a health food store somewhere. I think it was, like, uh, Port Macquarie or something like that. And there was a picture of surfing and it had a billabong logo on it. And I said, Oh yeah, I surf. And they're like, Oh, what's your name? Carly Shannon. I'm like, what? Carly Shannon. I was like, Oh yeah. Like they me a discount on my give peanut a, butter or something it. like that. Yeah. Some <laughs> stupid. And, and
0: your mung beans and your, yeah, that's awesome. Being being yeah. a surfing episode. Your favourite board.
3: My favourite board. board. Style of board. Style of board. Um, there's a model of board, that uh, Sean shapes for me called the Hypercypher. That sounds so dope,
0: eh? <laughs> The The like Hypercypher.
3: <laughs> it sounds like Star Wars or something, yeah, the yeah, Hypercypher. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's been my favourite board.
0: I bet you would be calling Sean straight after you leave here and saying you better listen <laughs> <just> to <do> this <laughs> <laughs> podcast because you've got a massive rack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, sure. all right, final question is your absolute number one dream place to have a serve.
3: Oh, what? Oh.
0: Well, that's where we have to. This is the podcast that asks the hard questions.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, everywhere. I just want to surf everywhere. There's not one particular place. I mean, Hawaii was my goal and then I surfed there. Um, Now would probably be, I'll say Fiji. Okay. Fiji, yeah.
0: Well, I'll take, you, take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Carly, it's been great having you here. Thanks for really like putting out to spend some time. I know you're heading back to um, to Melbourne on Monday. Yeah, hitting the track. Um, so, look, it, it's been great to sort of get you in here and have a chat. Um, you know, we, we love sitting around the circle. And we we spend a lot of time off off air, you know, having a chat about life. And look, I find it inspirational because from our point of view is that you know a lot of the guys that we speak to on this have uh, finished their careers and we talk about what is after their career and obviously we talk about what happened you know before during and after you're at the start of your career um although you've been surfing since nine or in ten or and certainly um i sort of went through the first five years of you being in the in the qs but it you know it's it's going to be interesting to watch your travel it's going to be interesting to watch your journey um i think at this stage i, I don't think there's a destination because you're on, you're on a journey and, um, look, I, I really wish you all the best in that journey. Um, I, I, will, I get down to Melbourne. I, I love Bowen Heads and Torquay, so I will be coming out there to see you um, and, and uh, hopefully catch a wave with you. So don't, don't cut in on me. Um, <laughs> but, look, all the best, Carly, in, in, in what you've got ahead of you. I know that your, your heart and your brain is in the right place to take you there and um, I look forward to seeing you get there.
3: Thank you so much. Oh, thank
0: you, Carly. We're so blessed. Thanks for coming on.
2: It's yeah, awesome. thank you so much. Oh, really, really for sharing your spirit with us. That was yeah. so good. And oh. all the
0: best here. You know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Thank you, guys. And I, I hope I'm back with a good story.
0: Oh, I, hope so. yeah, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get you back. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we say ciao for now. Later.
2: Till next time.
0: Thank you for our special guest tonight for providing an insight into their life, which hopefully resonates with our followers. Also, a special thanks to you, our followers who give the Just Some Brothers crew motivation to put together our podcast, which allows us to send a message, a message that helps hopefully with you today and tomorrow. It's now time to sign off and say enjoy your week. Thank you for listening to Just Some Brothers. Ciao for now.